What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What's going on, brother? Thank you for listening to another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm your host, Johnny King, and I'm stoked, always stoked to have amazing guests in the quote-unquote studio, the virtual studio, but today is uh, no exception. I've got an amazing brother from another mother coming, uh, hailing from from Canada, Nick Motichka. How are you, brother? Thanks for being on. I'm excellent. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, man, you've got uh, an amazing story, which we're definitely going to, to talk about. But I also really want to chat more about um, not only did you how you, how you found your healing, um, but then like what's on the other side of healing. I think that's a big part of the the story too. Is so many so many people, especially men, I feel like, and I think you can speak to too. Just they're wounded and they're wounded warriors, and they're struggling to go through life, um, struggling to find that healing, but then what's on the other side of healing? What, what could you actually tap into once you get that out of the way and you can start to to give your gifts as a a human being in this world. So why don't you, if you don't mind, maybe share a little bit more of your, your story and, and just the experience in law enforcement and everything else. And kind of, yeah, give us the the synopsis of, of that journey and why we're talking today. Yeah. Sounds good. So I grew up in Canada in, um, basically in Alberta my entire life. And so, um, and my father was a police officer. So no doubt that had a huge impact on me as a young person and uh, the way that uh, my life unfolded for sure. And and then the priorities that were instilled in me of having a pension and the benefits and the stability of a, of a government job, that was all I ever saw. And so when it came time to pick a career, that was forefront for me um and then so i just went into it thinking like well yeah this checks all the boxes my dad did it it was kind of the known and uh i thought this was going to be great and so as a 19 year old young man i got into security like uniform security at a shopping mall Mm. in calgary alberta (laughs) and uh realized pretty quickly that that was something i was interested in and went on and got my degree uh, from a college in Calgary called uh, Mount Royal College. And it was a degree in justice studies and then worked in lots of different enforcement roles throughout my, my four-year degree kind of timeframe. And then in the meantime was applying to different police services. Cause that was the end goal, right? was to get out into the real world and into a police car and uh, save the world. That's what I thought yeah. I was going to be able to do as naive yeah. as that is. And then, my motivations for doing that were, I mean, on top of the stability and the pension and the things I've talked about were also to help people. And that was genuinely why I wanted to get into it was to, to be that person that in people's hour of need to be able to be there and hopefully help. And again, that was pretty naive as I, as I quickly found out as 
my career unfolded. Uh, but that was, that was it for me. That was my why. And so as a 25 year old, I got into, got accepted into the Royal Canadian Mounted Police here in Canada. So that's the Mounties, the red surge, the scarlet tunic, yeah. all the things that, that mm-hmm. we think of when we hear that. And uh, I thought that I was going to love it and life was going to be good. And then got out into the real world and quickly found that that wasn't so much the case. Um, and that's for numerous factors. And number one is I chose my career from my wounded inner child. So what I mean by that is that I didn't get the, maybe the love or the affirmations or different things that I would have liked if I was making that choice as a young person, Mm -hmm. just the way Mm -hmm. family dynamics and the way my parents were raised and all the things that were passed on to them and then therefore passed on to me. And so again, no judgment, of course, to, to anyone and my parents specifically, they were just doing the best with what they had. Uh, But so what I did subconsciously, and this is something my wife actually pointed out to me here about two years ago was that, I thought that strapping on that uniform and the gun and all the things I would get, my parents would be proud of me and I would be seen by my parents and I would also be seen by society at large. And um, so that was, I think, an influence on my career choice as well, which isn't very good way to choose your career uh, Hmm. from your wounded inner child, but that was my reality. And I'm sure a lot of people out there resonate with that and have similar stories of following in parents' footsteps and trying to get, you know, respect or affirmations or whatever it is from, from your parents. So that, yeah, that's kind of the story of how I got into policing. And then um, from there, I quickly found that it was actually the energy of policing that I really I didn't enjoy. And so it was, I mean, it's always chaos, right. And conflict and people's darkest hours and then deception. There's a huge amount of deception. Everybody. And when I say everybody, I, I mean, I don't mean everybody, but you know, the majority of people when you're dealing with them are lying to you Um, whether it's a traffic stop and they're minimizing, you know, whatever they did to result in them getting pulled over or at a bar fight. I mean, everyone's trying to minimize their involvement or, you know what I mean? Even the person that got maybe was the victim. They had more of a an influence on the outcome than they want to lead on. So the bat and the person you're arresting, of course, is lying to you because they're trying to protect themselves. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. you're just left with trying to sort through lies and come up with somewhere in the middle where the truth might be. And that just really, I just didn't, didn't love it. And so, and then to add into that, you're as a first responder, like working on the street and uniform policing, you're just going from one call to the next, to the next, to the next. And you don't have really time to do a good job at either being a first responder and going to those hot calls and putting out fires. And you're certainly not doing a good job as an investigator you can't do both at the same time. Mm. And so being torn in a lot of different directions, that really didn't sit well with me either. Cause I, I really like to, you know, go all in on some on one thing and do a really good job where I just wasn't able to do that in policing uh, in street level policing. And so I quickly went into more of an investigative role and more into specialty units. And what that looked like for me was, was drug investigation specifically. So quite early in my career, I got into, into a drug unit and was looking at drug crime and drug trafficking specifically. 
And that was right around 2007. And mm. in Canada and in the city I was policing in, that was really the beginning of the opiate epidemic um, as we now know it. And so I had a front row seat for how that unfolded and how quickly it just devastated people's lives. And then from there in my career, and we can get into that more uh, later on here, but um, about, you know, five years into my career, I met my now wife and mother of my amazing kids. And so I had to start thinking about someone else's career and their family and all the things. Uh, Cause in the RCMP, you get transferred all over the country potentially because it's a federal police force. And so my wife told me basically that I should look at quitting the RCMP and joining a municipal police force. And I thought, well, that doesn't seem like a real good idea. Uh, but like so many times in our relationship, she'll tell me something and I'll be like, I'll be like, no, that's not a good idea. And then, you know, a couple yeah. of days ago, by, I'll be like, okay, actually, no, let's talk about this more. That actually was a really good mm -hmm. idea. And so mm -hmm. you'll see how that unfolds in my story here numerous times. Mm -hmm. uh, so I ended up transitioning out of the RCMP and then into the Calgary police service. And that's where I ended up working for, for the next 11 years after switching over. So um, got into again, drug work with the Calgary police fairly quickly and then did some undercover drug work um, in a team called the drug undercover street team. And so we were targeting kind of low to mid-level drug trafficking and in an undercover capacity. So it was my job to, trick people into selling me drugs, which is not a good idea for a drug dealer to sell a cop drugs, as you can imagine. So that like level of deception and the, you know, the lies and the deceit and all the things was just front and center in that role specifically. And so I didn't, I didn't love it at all, the operating part of that. And so I was finding as my career was unfolding that my favorite and best days as a police officer were when when we'd be doing surveillance and the the target wouldn't roll this is like police lingo but uh when the guy we were surveilling or girl wouldn't leave their house and we would just sit in our cars all day waiting for that and so pretty strong sign that you're not in the right job when your best day doing your job is when you don't have to do your job <laughs> so but i didn't see an out right i mean i'm now you know 10 plus years into this and it's like I didn't, I don't know anything else. I don't have any other options. And so I just pushed through and that led to the time where that just wasn't working for me anymore. And I ended up mm. having a, a full on breakthrough at work. And um, in that moment of my breakthrough, which looked a lot more like a breakdown in the mm -hmm. moment and felt like that, but with some hindsight, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I wouldn't have dealt with the traumas that I'd collected during my career in law enforcement if I wouldn't have been forced to. And that breakthrough forced me to deal with it because what I was doing was I'd go to the this call and I there would be no time or space to actually process what I had witnessed. So for me, it was a lot of suicides actually. <clears throat> and so just like making sense of that, it just, it just, was always really a hard thing for me and I just couldn't make sense of it. And so I would just like push it down anytime it would come up. So I'd be reminded of various situations through, you know, a smell or a location or any other number of ways. And I would just like, oof, be like, Nope, I'm not 
not going there today. Like, let's just keep this one down where it belongs. Mm -hmm, And I would just mm -hmm. physically force it back down into my body. And that was my coping strategy to deal with trauma for, and it worked for 15 years. And then uh, the day of my breakthrough was the moment where it all came bubbling up and, you know, overfilled my cup and I set off on a, on a journey to heal. And so that's what brings me before you today. Dude. Crazy, crazy, crazy. I can relate to a lot of those, uh, a lot of different things in your story. Um, and I wrote down a few notes while you're, you were talking. One of the things that popped in my mind was like, it's really interesting how so many of us, um, because of unmet needs growing up with our parents, you know, doing the best they could with, with the tools they had or lack thereof, um, you know, seeking their love and their approval, we, we go off on a certain path. Right. Um, but I just thought it was interesting and, and not coincidental that you are, it sounded like, and don't let me put words in your mouth. You're sitting there on a day-to-day basis, trying to uh, filter through the untruths to find the truth when in reality, you weren't even living your truth. Right. Um, and I think that too was probably just uh, a major challenge. Right. Uh, and it sounds like your, your breakthrough breakdown breakthrough was uh, your body saying, okay, I've got to, I've got to step into my truth and, and find that. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah, absolutely. And it, I thought of alignment, living in alignment was something that I just wasn't doing right. I, I wasn't living my soul's purpose and I was just forcing it. And I felt that every day I would, as I would get closer to the office, I could just feel tension come into my jaw and I would just mm. feel, yeah, just bad. And it's like, yeah, because I was not in alignment at all mm-hmm. vibrationally and with, you know, all the, um, just my purpose to be here. Yeah. Well, and and you mentioned it too, just with the kind of the, the repression of the, the mm-hmm. emotions and um, the unresolved traumas, processing those things, just not having even time, right? Or especially as guys not even really being educated towards like, it's okay. And it's a total necessity because I've been in men's retreats and that sort of thing with, uh, you know, LAPDs and guys who see some of the worst stuff and at least in the United States. And um, so many of their buddies are committing suicide that are on the force. They just can't, they can't. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I don't know if you ever had any suicidal thoughts or ideation, but like, I do feel like a lot of guys and I've got one of my best friends in the St. Louis police department. Um, and I've seen him change, not necessarily a horrible way, uh, but it's just tough to to be constantly, like you said, showing up to people's darkest hours. How did you, how did you eventually, uh, as part of your story, how did you eventually heal from that, process that? Yeah, it was it was a bit of a lengthy ordeal to to get to that point, and yeah. it started with traditional therapies, and so psychologists and um, occupational therapists, and you know trauma therapies exposure and the emdr and um some just more traditional talk stuff and so that's kind of where it started for me um but after a year and a half of of doing all of those traditional things and going all in and being very open to to telling my story and to talking to these therapists and like working through it i wasn't getting back to myself at all Mm -hmm. after Mm -hmm. after just you know, I don't even know lots, hundreds of hours, basically in, in those, with those therapists. And I just knew that there was something in plant medicines for me. And so throughout my time, 
uh, of being off work. So when I had my breakthrough, which was on September 16th of 2020, I Later on that day, I went out and was in nature and I just sort of reprioritized what, what my life, what meant something to me in my life and my own health and healing was, was a top priority in order to show up as the best version of myself for my kids and for my wife and for all the people that I love. And so I knew that I wasn't going to go back to work until I had processed all of these hard calls or whatever you want to call them throughout my career that were affecting me in my day-to-day life and the way I was showing up. And so I was going all in on, on all these therapies and everything that were being offered to me, but it just wasn't doing it. And I had this intuitive knowing about a year into that process that there was something in plants. And for me, it was psilocybin mushrooms, magic mushrooms. And I, so trusting my intuition was a thing that I didn't do a lot as a police officer. I mean, there, I, I was like, you know, you get an intuition, whether someone's lying to you or whatever, but I was forcing myself into situations all the time. That was my intuition was screaming at me like, nope, don't get in that drug dealer's car to buy that ounce of meth. Like that's not a safe place to be. And I would have to like force that intuition back down quite like I was doing with my traumas mm-hmm. and because it was my job and just get in that car and and do the job. And so all of a sudden, once I was off work, I was now trusting my intuition and trusting the guidance that I was getting. And so one of the big ones was psilocybin for me. I was guided to that plant mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. this, uh, to this medicine. And when I say medicine, I mean medicine because mm-hmm. it, is a very powerful medicine that when used with the right intention and everything can be a really powerful tool for healing. And so in September of 2021, so a year into my healing journey, I started growing my own mushrooms and I didn't know (laughs) what I was going to do with them exactly. I just was trusting my intuition at that point. And so I grew these things. And then about three months later, I was like at a real low point in my mental health, I had lost like about 30 pounds, I think at that point. And I was just basically a shell of myself. I wasn't showing up well in the world at all. I had no patience for my kids. I couldn't deal with any sort of adversity or like decision-making in my day-to-day life and couldn't watch. I still have a hard time with it, but not to that level, but any sort of violence on TV or movies or even music. I just, just like, I just can't get far enough away from it. And so I just went kind of let my hands off the wheel completely and just sort of let whatever was going to happen, happen. And at that point I Googled a shaman psychologist And because what I was missing in those traditional therapies was a spiritual or an energetic component to them. They were all very treating the body like a, like a machine or like really mechanistic. And it was all top down therapy. So everything had to go through all the filters and perceptions and beliefs and patterns and all the things that I'd built up in my mind in order to access the trauma. And that just, it wasn't cutting it. Like I was just regurgitating traumas but Mm. not processing them if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. and so i um found a psychologist who was also a shaman and uh we made it happen for a a healing journey to happen in early jan or in january of 2022 
Mm. And so that was kind of where my healing journey led me to was, was that uh, shaman led psychedelic assisted therapy session. That's huge. Um, I've, I first started dabbling as well during 2020. Um, what else to do when you're in a pandemic, I guess. Right. Um, and I've found so much healing and, and still know that there's so much more for me to, 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 you know, explore there for sure. Um, but having said that, I feel like maybe on the, for those that might be listening who have not, you know, experienced any plant-based medicines who might be called to it, but are scared of it. Um, I know for me, before I stepped into that world, the fear was like, I don't know what's in Pandora's box. I don't know if I am going to be able to come through it <laughs> uh, unscathed on the other side of it. And so I thought like, if I were listening to this, having not experienced, it, I'd be listening to your story and be like, well, but what is, what do you do? Do you go through every, every single call? Do you go through every memory? Um, do you have to like recall every memory and resolve it or experience it and grieve it? It just sounds so overwhelming and daunting. That can be really, you know, scary. Or what was more of your, your journey of like, how do you go through starting to, to process a lot of that trauma and heal the PTSD without it being like insurmountable or so heavy that it's like, why even begin? Cause I think that's why a lot of guys kill themselves is because they feel like they can't, there's no way that they're going to ultimately heal the, the stuff that they've seen. They can't unsee what they've seen. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very fair statement. And I'll just describe what, what my experience was with it. And I think that'll kind of answer all your, the, mm -hmm. and other people's questions too, for, for what that might look like. So for me, I was, I was wide open, right? I was, I was ready to go in and deal with this, this stuff, all my, the things that would come up and I would push them down. Like I was at a point where the, the prospect of keeping on going the way I was, was like not really an option anymore. And so I was like ready to, ready to do something different. So kind of hit a bit of a rock bottom, which I think is something that most people have to get to before they're willing to to look into uh, more you know big changes in your life because you're really you don't know what the experience is going to be of course and so you're really kind of hanging it out there at that point um, totally. but I can tell you that from my experience the how I was living compared to what that therapy session looked like and the things that came up like it was it was one of the most beautiful days of my life which sounds mm wild because it was like I was going to the darkest places that I'd ever been in my entire life and it ended up being a beautiful day so I'll I'll describe it what it was like now so my shaman psychologist she did all the independent testing or not independent sorry but like all the standardized testing before the session so uh, I was diagnosed uh, PTSD and I was on the severe side whatever that means but that's that's where I was at um, as a diagnosis. So the day of my healing journey was, uh, was January 28th of 2022. So it was actually my wife and I's 10 year wedding anniversary as well, which is oh, wow. like no coincidence. It just happened to be the day. And so yeah. my wife came with me and it was, it was a beautiful ceremony to start with. And so, because it was a shaman, you know, healing modality or, um, mm -hmm practice there was drumming and there was calling in of protection from like angels unicorns fairies like it was next level so all that spiritual or the energetic side of things that i was missing 
in the therapies I'd participated in up until that point were now like just front and center. And Mm -hmm. it was something that I really resonated with. And so that part was really nice for me to, to finally be, to be getting that, that energetic side. And then, so what I did, so the, the mushrooms that I grew, I grew very intentionally. I grew knowing that they were going to be part of my healing in some way, not knowing exactly what that was going to look like, of course, but knowing that that was my purpose. And so I grew them on a sacred geometry clearing plate. And then I was doing Reiki on them regularly, sending Mm. them just positive energies and just intention to heal. So I brought that medicine with me that I'd grown with those intentions and I held them, held it to my heart. And I read my intentions for that specific healing journey. I read that, that my intention three times forcefully while holding it to my heart. And my intention was to like, we've talked about was to go in and actually process this stuff that I wasn't ever allowing myself to touch before. So after that, I consumed the the medicine. And once I started feeling the effects, I, I went into the bedroom of the place we were staying in. And I actually went right underneath the covers. And I, without any resistance or without thinking about, you know, what I needed to do or where I needed to go or any of that, I went back chronologically to the very first you know, hard call that had stuck with me. And it went right back to the er, my early days in the RCMP, early days of my policing career. And it was, it was a suicide related call. And it was a young lady who had, um, she had slit both of her wrists, but like along the artery. And so when I came to the door, there was just like, just blood was spurting out of both of her wrists with every beat of her heart. And then she went in into this, it was a basement suite. She kind of like opened the door and then took off into the place and then she smashed and had been breaking every piece of glass in the house prior to our arrival and so there's broken glass everywhere and blood everywhere and then um so my partner and I were able to get her kind of on the ground and we're trying to hold her down and even with all the blood that she'd lost I'll never forget she was able I was on her legs just the way the kind of the struggle ensued trying to hold her down so we could get, you know, her restrained. So then the medics could come in and bandaged her up. And she was lifting me off the ground, like at will, um, as I was sitting kind of lower on her legs, it was just a wild experience. And then the medics came in and it was winter in Canada. And so she was wearing like a down jacket. So she, they cut off the down jacket. So now there's feathers everywhere and blood and broken glass and then she had, she drank um, green apple Smirnoff before, you know, doing this to herself. And so the smell of fake green apple anyways, mm. so mm. that, so I went back there and like for the first time willingly, and what I was able to see was that it wasn't, it wasn't even my trauma. I was a witness to someone else's, the end of their trauma story. And so that was really big for me. It was like, oh yeah, like, why am I holding on to this thing? It's not helping her. It's certainly not helping me. It's just, it's bad all the way around. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thing for me was that perspective awareness. And then the second and more, even more important part was what I can only describe as radical Jesus level compassion for Mm. her in what her trauma story must have looked like and what you know, things must have happened to her in her life to get her to that point that day. 
And then also I felt that same level of compassion for myself in that I joined policing to try and help people. And so those three elements, the perspective change, and then that compassion for the people and myself, it just allowed it to move through me. And it, mm. and now of course I wasn't fighting it, right? Like pushing down the memory of this. I was like actively going there because of the altered state of consciousness that psilocybin allowed. And it was just, it was just a beautiful process of just being able to go back there and have those awarenesses of different things that I had never crossed my mind before. And because I would never let myself go there and it just processed. And then I would just go without any resistance or even thinking about it. I would just go to the next, you know, hard call and work through it in that same way. And I worked through 15 years worth of policing in, you know, a couple hours, three hours, maybe. Wow. And at the end of that, it, uh, it felt complete. And um, I will say going into the ceremony, I didn't know what level of intervention there was going to be from the psychologist. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of assumed that she'd be talking me through things and we'd be like, it'd be a really interactive kind of thing. But for me, that wasn't at all what it was. It was yeah, like, I had set that, yeah, I'd set that clear intention and being and very much wide open to doing it. And it was, and then the, the things I asked for in my intention were exactly what I got almost like magic, almost like mm -hmm. magic mushrooms <laughs> are, are yeah. uh, properly named. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just, yeah, I don't want to say it was an enjoyable day, but it was almost, it was almost enjoyable and like beautiful comes to mind. Just like the whole, the ceremony portion of it and just the the level of healing I was able to to go through and the things I was able to process in that day it was just it was beautiful and there was no there was no resistance at any point or it didn't feel like work it just felt like the most natural thing ever and so I think there's a combination of things for me personally that I think led it to or allowed it to be so profound for me mm -hmm. and it was the how open I was to to go in and dig in and do this work and then the second part which I think is super important and something that maybe isn't talked about enough is the the energetics and the intention that I put into that medicine with the Reiki and with the sacred geometry and all of that is super powerful and mm -hmm. I think that a combination of all those factors allowed it to be what it was. And so I've talked to uh, lots of different practitioners, you know, psychedelic assisted therapy practitioners since, and my experience is quite unusual in the, the level of healing I was able to do in, in one session, but I think it was because of those things. And so after that day, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a switch was flipped and I was like, Oh, I'm good. Like everything's wonderful. It wasn't like that. It had taken, you know, 15 years to basically get to where I was at in terms of yep. the, the ways it was affecting me, my day-to-day -day life, but I was feeling better. And as the days went on and then the weeks went on, I, I could feel something was, something was different for sure. And the, the memories of all of those events, of course, remain, um, but the emotional charge that they had over me is gone because now I can be reminded of them and it's just a regular memory that I don't have to like 
push down, you know? So I've actually ended up being able to liberate a ton of energy that I was putting into keeping things contained. Now I'm able to put into positive things like, and, and I truly call it post-traumatic growth. The, the amount of personal growth that I've been able to achieve since that point has been has been amazing and uh has well led me to sitting in front of you today so it's been it's been quite the journey for sure i can imagine and and probably so much more of a being a a husband that you're proud to be a father that you're proud to be versus the opposite which will eat you alive if you know that the stuff you're not handling is really affecting your wife and kids um i don't know again not wanting to put words in mouth but that was certainly wreck me uh, if I were to be in your shoes, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, the work continues, of course, too, right? Like I process the, the dramas that I collected, but I still have, you know, childhood stuff and, and everything that continues to be um, stuff I'm working on. But I'm, I can honestly say I'm, I'm not affected by the stuff that I witnessed and experienced during my career in policing anymore. It's, um, yeah, there's other other things that I'm working on, of course, but it's not that that's holding me back anymore. That's and, incredible. And I will, I'll just add one more thing. And that's, so about six weeks after my healing journey, I, WCB put me through uh, an independent psychologist, uh, comprehensive psych assessment is what they called it. And so it was like a half day of all the testing again and interviews and all that. And that psychologist who had no idea I'd done a psychedelic healing journey, uh, she called me back a week later and let me know that I didn't even meet the criteria for a diagnosis anymore. So I went from severe PTSD, one healing journey, six weeks later, no diagnosis. Jeez, jeez. Versus potentially sitting on a couch for 10 years, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. That's, and, and that's... And not, Sorry, go ahead. I was just saying, and that's not to poo-poo, you know, traditional therapy. I know a lot of, maybe that's what you're going to say too. I know I'm, I'm amazing therapists and I sit in therapy every other week uh, at this moment. I feel, feel like there is a lot of good, especially for, for men to get the reps of being able to articulate the feelings that are coming up, where in their body they're coming up with. It's, all, it's just all different modalities and there isn't one perfect way for every single man, you know, or person. But I, I do feel like, um, and maybe you can speak to this too. There's something to be said because <clears throat> I, I was raised very Christian, no alcohol, no drugs, no sex before marriage. All of it was just very controlled. There was something liberating for me to, uh, to take a substance where I didn't have a choice. I mean, after I took the substance, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm on for the ride, but this is going to take me wherever it's going to take me and scary as all get out, but so healing. Um, when I finally let go of control, which I think is a lot of what we're scared of is actually letting go of control. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where people get into trouble and where we hear about bad trips is when you're just trying to hold on too tight and not letting what needs to happen during that journey. And then of course, people combine it with alcohol and that's a recipe for a bad trip, of course, for sure. So that right set and setting and then being open to to letting it guide you through whatever, whatever needs to come up because yeah. it's, it's truly magical. Like there's no other way to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. And it, it really does actually motivate me to be like, you know, I need to, to probably do a little more. There's always, like you said, the journey never ends, but it's just like, okay, you know, it's been a little while since I've um, 
invested my own journey into that, but there's always uh, stuff for me to to work on. And I'm, I'm similar to you and just like having the willingness, like, I just want to, I want to see and, and, and be able to get to the end of my life um, feeling like I don't have any regrets or untapped yeah. potential, you know? And I know a lot of times it's just me holding myself back um, and the fear of letting go and going into those darker recesses of my mind and my, my past. But um, what, what has life looked like for you after you've, went from severe to, you know, undiagnosed, so to speak, what have you been getting into? That's been positive. How has yeah. life changed? Yeah, for sure. So, so in that moment, once I didn't have a diagnosis, it was like, okay, my WCB benefits stopped right then and there. And the yeah. Calgary police service was expecting me back to work. And yeah. so I'd grown a lot over the past few years and really had come even more out of alignment with policing than I was mm. even before. And mm. so for me, I had a really hard time watching what has happened with policing in Canada with the the convoy, the trucker convoy here in Canada, the freedom movement, and how mm. the government used the Emergencies Act to squash this peaceful protest in our nation's capital and use the police as their hired goons to, you know, get these people to move along. And so that just felt awful to me watching that. And so I just morally and ethically, I, I'm not going to be a part of trampling people's rights. Like people's rights are like the top, the most important thing, even if they've committed a crime, there's, you know, everyone has all these supposedly inalienable rights. And then what mm -hmm. we've seen over the past few years is government's just like, well, no, not today. No, we're, we're, we're not listening to that anymore. And so being a part of the enforcement of that, just like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And then my own mental health, of course. Right. So not wanting to put myself back into these traumatizing or potentially traumatizing situations and mm -hmm. end up back in this situation. And so with the amazing support of my family, my wife who had to pick up a ton of slack during this whole time and Washington well, continues to, of course, as well. Um, so with their support and her parents have just been amazing for, or to us, um, made the only decision that made sense. And that was to resign from the only career I'd ever known. And so I did exactly that. And so, since that point, I've been working on bringing consciously made clothing to the world, which is like a complete 180 totally. from, from my prior <laughs> life. And so yeah. what that, what that means, so consciously made clothing. So I was looking for a product in the market and I couldn't find it. And that was a locally made, so sewn in North America. And for me, I wanted it to be made in Canada and I wanted it to be made of natural fibers and I wanted it to be just a cool quality, good fitting piece of basic clothing. And I, I just couldn't find it. I could find some really, some cool brands that were making really nice stuff, but it would be polyester based and made in Bangladesh or any other combination thereof. <clears throat> but I couldn't find one that was all three. And so I decided to just make it myself. Um, mm. And so that's what I've done over the past. It's been uh, coming up on four years since I, the idea originally came to me and I've been cool. slowly, you know, making steps in the real world to, to make it happen. Uh, but I'm, I'm there now and I have physical product and it's, it's all those things. It's sewn in Calgary, Alberta. It's made with hemp and organic cotton 
And it's, it's what I was looking for. I knew when I was starting down this road that I would know it when I put on that piece of clothing and like the feel of it and the energy of it and just all the things would, I knew what that was going to be, but to get that from my, my head into physical mm-hmm. form with no experience, of course, was, uh, was a process, but I've, I've gotten there now and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm actually really proud of what I've been able to, to accomplish to this point. That's so cool. So, so cool. And, and again, how much my question for you is like, how far along this journey that you've been on with, with your clothing company, do you feel like you would have gotten if you hadn't have done your healing journey? You know, would it have been something you just kept on kicking the can further down the road or would it be an idea that wouldn't even have taken shape? I yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think I would have ever even gone down the road at all. I would have, the idea would have came to me and I would have like, nah, like I'm just going to, you know, force my way through another 10 years of a job I am not in alignment with and yeah. ended up, you know, just drinking myself numb and and i've seen so many of my fellow brothers and sisters in law enforcement choose different ways to cope that aren't as healthy uh or aren't healthy ways to deal with stuff and end up in divorces and whatnot and that likely would have been me too if i wouldn't have had that sort of moment of clarity and then that breakthrough as well to really give me a slap and a wake-up call that i needed to do something different yeah, so yeah, yeah, they they go hand in hand. They're without that, without the my own kind of awakening or however do you want to call it, my own spiritual journey. It's it's all and my career and the clothing company. It's all like it's all completely tied together. So interwoven. Yeah. yeah. No pun intended. That's that's <laughs> pretty pretty incredible. Um. So what? what does life look like for you? And let's just say the next one to three years as it relates to your health, uh, your health journey, your mental health journey, your clothing company, your family life. Um, what's like the next, again, now that we've got the the behavior, um, the coping mechanisms that were unhealthy to, con- to just keep shoving things that needed to come out and get processed, getting, just keep shoving those down now that that's gone and you've got a lot healthier way of dealing with life's, curveballs that I'm sure it continues to throw your way. Um, what does life look like for you personally now that you've kind of tapped into a new way of living? It looks, it looks a lot brighter than it, than it was. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I've, the healing continues and finding new ways to, to deal with those curveballs and those, the programs and all the things that we all have running that are, are, you know, altering the, our abilities to live our best life and to get on our soul's path. And so uh, I've recently, my wife and I have started uh, doing breath work um, Mm. and healing with breath, which has been phenomenal. We've discovered this, um, it's actually an American-based company and they're doing nine, it's 9D breath work. So with headset and eye mask and it's amazing and super intense and Mm. transformational. So that's something that we're getting into and and actually facilitating it for other people. I see a huge amount of potential as time goes forward with, I, I feel the collective consciousness rising. I, I just do. And so as that process happens, there's going to be more and more people that are, are awakening and are going to need healing 
to deal with all the things that have happened in their life. And so my priorities right now are sharing my story of healing with psychedelics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my other priority is, is getting this transformational breath work out to people. And then for myself, I'm, I'm going down the road of, of shaman training myself. And so cool. being able to, to give back in that way, the, the way that I was helped by that, that shaman who just opened up a world of possibilities to me, I'm excited to be able to, to give back in some way and help people mm-hmm. along their own healing journeys. And then the clothing is just like, it's kind of a medium almost for me to, to get in front of people and then just get something higher vibrational in on people like physically on them in terms of the clothing with the intentions that I've set and my priorities of keeping it locally made and the natural fibers and all that. It's just, it's a lot higher vibrational. And then to take another step further, I've had a piece of clear quartz crystals sewn into the care and content label of every one of our shirts that Mm -hmm. I've sent the energies of love, compassion, joy, bliss, flow, abundance, magnetism, wellness, and gratitude to this Mm -hmm. little piece of crystal and then had it sewn into the label. And so it's just, it's the opposite of fast fashion. It's very much slow fashion and very intentional (laughs) and and consciously made. And so just getting that out and onto people. And I just, I've always had this awareness that when, when we look good, when we, you know, we put on a piece of clothing that fits right and looks good on us, we feel good. And then we're able to do good in the world. So I always say, look good, feel good, do good. So that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of what the future looks like is finding ways to, to help people heal and doing my part to, to raise and keep the, the collective on a trajectory, um, higher up on the frequency band. That's awesome. I was going to ask you what your why is, but maybe that's your why. Would you expand on that anymore? Yeah, it's, it's all about raising the frequency of myself, of course. Um, And then therefore I'm able to impact people and influence or not influence, but basically have set an example of what's possible Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. you do the work and deal with your traumas and all the things that are kind of keeping you in a lower vibrational state, just what's possible. And yeah, all we can do is worry about ourselves. There's, there's so much chaos and just really dark stuff seemingly happening in the world right now and when we focus on ourselves and just i always say be the light you want to see in the world and when when enough of us show up with that um priority it's it's going to just have a ripple effect on the rest of people and it's just going to be a positive snowball um that is going to uh change the world in my opinion and uh here for it yeah. Um, without opening a huge can of worms, but I'm, I'm, I'm going there because I think we're on the same page uh, just from what we were talking about before we started recording. But why do you feel like um, so much of the light, so much of the, uh, the higher vibrational expression, whether that be in people, the planet, um, however you want to state it, why do you feel like that's being being attempted to be stamped out so heavily. It just feels like the, the war between good and evil, between high frequency and low frequency is at an all-time high odds right now. Um, I'm very positive on the on the the outcome that 
truth and light and love will win. But man, does it feel like we're being pushed with multiple agendas. Um, what's your your take on that? However you want to <laughs> answer that question. Yeah, no, I love it. I love this stuff. So it's chaotic out there. There's no doubt, right? Like between yeah. what's happening right now, I mean, anywhere in the world, Israel and Ukraine, like, mm-hmm. Well, and at home, right? In in all of our cities with the crime and the addiction right. and all of it, it's it's so what I what I truly believe and truly feel is that all this chaos we're seeing right now is what's necessary. It's bringing everything to the surface that needs to be changed. And as the frequency of the collective and of the planet rises all of these lower vibrational systems and the corrupt you know the corrupt ways that politics are influenced by big pharma and like the military industrial complex and like all of that is all it's not it doesn't it can't exist in this higher frequency that we're heading into and so it's being like shaken up to the surface in order to be transmuted and alchemized into something that's actually positive for people on the planet and it's Mm -hmm. it's just it's a transition we're in a time of transition from that like fear-based lower vibrational stuff that has kept us kind of almost like a slave to the to the system in a way that's Mm -hmm. being that's being transmuted right now and mm-hmm. the opposite of fear is love and love and truth are the only ways forward and i think that's what we're going to see more and more of is is big disclosures um and truth coming out and it's going to shake up everything that we know all of our institutions and all the things that we've known our entire lives are are all going to be affected healthcare politics the legal system education all of it in it, but it's necessary. And it's, I'm actually encouraged by the level of craziness that's happening in the world right now, because <laughs> that's where the change comes. And so that's kind of where I'm at. It's, uh, but it's going to get crazier before it gets better, but we're on the right path. Well, and, and it's, I think it's an interesting full circle, um, kind of tying this thing up. It's like, we have to be willing personally and, as a global society, culture, if you will, as a species, we have to be willing to to go into the the deep rest recesses of our like darkest areas, right? To shed the light, to be able to process, to be able to heal. And I do feel like um, it requires uh, a guy that's listening to this, knowing that he's got you know a, a past of repressing and and you know shoving down things that need to be healed uh, requires that uh that man to have the courage to step into that maybe through plant-based medicines or whatever he's called to and then as a global you know species it requires us to to go there too and like you said it's it's going to have to get messier before it gets better right we have to be willing to to let go and trust the process of unraveling you know corruption and and hate and um darkness for us to to be able to heal and and bring the light in my opinion would you say yeah it's it's always darkest before the dawn and that's (laughs) that's where we're at right now yeah yeah 100 percent. well how do how do people go about um connecting with you following your journey checking out your 
your clothing. Of course, I'll put everything in the, the show notes uh, in terms of links, but yeah, I would love to hear your, where you'd send them. Yeah. So website is uh flowstatedesigns.ca and Instagram is uh, what's well, my f- Nick Motichka f- dot flow state de- dot designs. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and then yeah, flow state designs. If you search that, you'd be able to find me on any of the social media platforms. And so try and I've kind of switched a little bit re- more recently into being a lot more vulnerable and just sharing parts of my story on those social sure. media platforms. So um, yeah, Instagram and uh TikTok are probably the two best ones to follow me on. And uh, on the website, of course, that's where you can find all of our products and got lots of upcoming things happening. Um, some woman specific teas made out of that same fabric. And mm. uh, yeah, I got a full line planned. It's just getting it from here into the real world. That's the, cool. the work happening right now. Cool. Amazing, dude. Well, thank you for for just being a leader and showing men what's possible uh, for jumping on and, and sharing your story because I know that takes a lot of courage and um, being willing to to show that just because you had a uniform on at one point doesn't mean you have all the answers and doesn't mean that you're you know had it all together. So it takes a, a lot of like I said courage to to show up and I appreciate the the light that you're spreading into the world. So thank you for being on, man. Oh, great. Noah, thank you very much for well, giving me this time and space to share my story and uh, for doing the work that you're doing to to bring stories to people that can can help them in, in their own ways. And um, I think I'll just close with one one final thought. And it's, um, I think as men, we, we think that being strong means like you know, showing up stoic and not showing our emotions and like just being, you know, strong and keeping everything in. But mm-hmm. what I found in the past few years is it's actually quite the opposite. And true strength comes from being vulnerable and being open and being just willing to, well, share. And that's where we're able to uh, heal and and move forward in a better way. So um, that's super important. And uh Thank you very much for for doing that for the collective. Dude, amen. Amen. That's definitely something that I'm really focusing on is having that uh, courage and willingness to to be vulnerable and share on a day-to-day basis. So um the 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 work continues. But yeah, dude, thank you for being on. Um, brother, as you're listening to this, I, I hope you've connected with with Nick's story. And if if you have, um I will, like I said in the show notes, have links to all his social media and everything else and, and check out his website flowstatedesigns.ca there is a, a little 10% off coupon that pops up there and grab yourself um some merch some uh, some clothing i i'm going to do the same thing and uh we'll be repping nick's clothing and and raising the the global frequency but thanks nick for being on brother really appreciate you um and look forward to having you on sometime soon again Love it. Thanks again. Awesome, brother. You you bet. All right, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Becoming Kings podcast. We'll look forward to having you on the next one. Take care. Bye. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say, hey, It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts, since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, 
or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.